passage there in song, and I find that those who know the story and know the Christ of the story never get tired of the story. And you want to hear it over and over, don't you? And you not only want to hear it, you want to tell it. And uh, it's the message that you just want to give out. Uh, We're in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 3 this morning. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, before um, Before we open up the Word of God here, I'm going to have you stand in just a moment. How many of you enjoy opening gifts? Any of you enjoy it? Okay. Uh, I, I think most everybody, you enjoy that. Had a had a wonderful time with the granddaughters. We had just a little time beer, and we brought them over, and uh, they knew there was some gifts, and they tried to sneak around and find the gifts ahead of time. But we had them hidden uh, very well, but uh, it was so much fun just to watch them unwrap some gifts. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to unwrap the greatest gift that has ever been given. And I would ask that you stand with me as we read together this morning a portion of God's Word. We're in the Gospel of John, and uh, most everyone uh, will know and be familiar with this passage of Scripture. The very first verse I remember memorizing in God's Word was John 3.16. My granny, my grandmother, my dad's mother, was my Sunday school teacher. And uh, my granny had uh, her Sunday school class to memorize John 3.16. And then we all had to stand before the congregation and we had to quote it. I had memorized it word perfect until I stood before the congregation (laughs) and looked out and saw the faces. And I still remember to this day, uh, I looked out and I saw the faces and I was just scared, nervous. And uh, so I couldn't remember the first word, and they helped me, for. And I couldn't remember the second word, God. (laughs) So loved. And they went, they guided me through that entire verse. And I remember after they guided me through the entire verse, they all clapped as if I'd done the greatest thing. And it was John 3.16, memorizing John 3.16. So it's a very fond memory uh, back in in my childhood days uh, with my granny who loved the Lord teaching her Sunday school class this particular verse. But I want to go back to verse number 14. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I'd like you to go back with me and read with me this morning verse number 16. And if we can read this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you'll join me this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and um, maybe we should take some time to just yield us that song said, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And Would you ask the Lord this morning to have His way in your heart and life? Father, thank You this morning. You're so good and gracious to us, and 
Lord, thank you for that greatest story that's ever been told, that story that we shall never grow tired of, that story that we will tell for all of eternity. Lord, thank you for the gift that you have given to each and every one of us, that gift that you have offered to us. And Lord, this morning we sure do need you. And we ask you this morning that, Lord, you would minister, that you would speak through us, that, God, you would guide and direct this message for your glory. Lord, that you would uplift your name. Lord, that you would minister this morning, that your gift would be manifest before all. Would you have your way in this service this morning, we pray in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. As you're seated, uh, we are uh, reminded here, John 3, 16, I've heard it referred to often as the heart of the Bible. And I've heard this verse referred to as the heart of the gospel. And some have referred to this as the greatest verse in the Word of God. I think all of the Bible is great and wonderful. Uh, but this verse is particular and central uh, to what we preach and to what we believe this morning. I want to just look at this thought, greatest and just introduction here. We think about this for God as the greatest being. Uh, we're speaking about the creator of the universe. We're speaking about the one that hung the stars in nowhere. And we're speaking about the one that spoke this world into being by his word, by his power, the creator of the universe, the omnipotent one, the all-powerful one, the omniscient one, the all-knowing one, the omnipresent one, the one that you can never escape for God, the greatest being. So loved the greatest love. I can't explain the love of God this morning. It's unearned, deserved, it's unexplained, it's unending, it's unconditional. God so loved the greatest love. But the world is the greatest number of people. God so loved the world, every person of every race, of every tongue, of every nation, of every state, of every continent, of every part of the world. God so loved the world, every single person, individual, that he gave his only begotten son. That's the greatest gift. Uh, somebody said you can give without loving, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 expresses that, that even if I give all my gifts to feed the poor, and I have not love, it's just a sounding brass. It's nothing without love. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And so God so loved the world that he gave. And then the Bible says that whosoever, here's the greatest offer that's ever been given. It's my conviction that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. So some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering. So elsewhere, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My conviction, salvation is offered to all. It's God's desire for all to be saved. And my conviction is the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient for all. 
But God is a gentleman. He will not force himself upon any. His gift must be received. And in John chapter 12, as many, or chapter 1 verse 12, as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I like to put it this way, and I got this from Brother Randy, that God is sovereign over his own sovereignty. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... And then the word of God says, believeth in him should not perish. That's the greatest escape. Our sin condemns us, but his salvation delivers us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the greatest promise. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that hath everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And through Christ we can escape hell, have the assurance of eternal life in heaven. That's God's gift, the greatest gift. We want to take some time to unwrap that gift this morning. Now the context of this verse, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, he was a ruler of the Jews, I believe perhaps in fear of the Sanhedrin that he was a part of. He came by night secretively to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a sincere Pharisee, very religious. And we know from history that he was one of the most wealthy men in all of Jerusalem. He was a good person, morally speaking, in the eyes of the world. In fact, the world would have looked at Nicodemus and said, here's a man that has it all together. Here's a man that, uh, that knows what he's doing and he knows where he's going. But the fact was of Nicodemus, he was lost. And though he had position and power and wealth, uh, he was empty. He was condemned. He was separated from God by his own sin. And he came to Jesus by night, I believe, seeking some answers. And Jesus Christ spoke directly to Nicodemus. If you look in John 3, verse number 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus couldn't understand that. And so Jesus says in verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And again, Nicodemus could not comprehend exactly what Jesus was saying. And so Jesus spoke, that which is born of the flesh, there's a physical birth. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And just as you were born physically to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born spiritually. He says, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And he relates that spiritual birth to the power and the working of the wind. And in this context, we come to the passage that I read just a moment ago, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're going to look at the Christmas message of that verse this morning, unwrapping 
God's gift, the world's greatest gift, the greatest gift this world has ever known. There's no other gift that can compare in value to the gift that God gave to the world. Uh, there's no other gift that costs so much. Uh, there's no other gift that has accomplished so much. Uh, this is the greatest gift the world has ever known. So if you'll bear with me this morning, we're going to go through a lot of scriptures. I want you to get your Bibles going today as we unwrap this gift that God has given to the world. We're going to go to the book of Genesis for just a moment. We're going to go into the Old Testament and we're going to see God's gift foretold in prophecy. We spent our Sunday school hour uh, last Sunday and, uh, and this uh, day, this morning, uh, looking at the prophecies of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over 300 prophecies given of the first coming and every one of them in minute detail fulfilled. Uh, we find in Genesis chapter 3 verse number 15 this statement, this promise, this offer of God to the world. Uh, the Lord said to Adam and to Eve, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here is the first prophecy in the Bible of the Lord Jesus Christ, though he's pictured even in creation. Uh, but we have here this prophecy of a coming Savior. If you understand the context, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They disobeyed the one command that God had given. As a result of their sin, of their rebellion, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all, for that all have sinned. Uh, that day, Adam and Eve began to die physically. That day, spiritually, they died. They were separated from God. They hid themselves in shame and guilt from God. And because of that spiritual death, because of that physical death that would come upon them, there would be an eternal death where death and hell would be cast into the lake of fire. And this would be the second death. And whosoever's name was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Uh, God understanding that condition so loved the world. God promised to them a seed. And it would be the seed of the woman. It would be that seed that would bruise the head of the serpent, the head of Satan. God pictured the sacrifice of that seed. If you look in Genesis 3 and verse number 21, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we read in verse number 21 of Genesis chapter 3, that unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Uh, the Lord took the blood of an innocent animal and that blood was shed that Adam and Eve might have a covering for their guilt, a covering for their shame. But it was a picture of the coming Lamb of God, the sacrifice of the world, that seed of the woman uh, that would come to pay the price for man's sin. Now this morning in our Sunday school, if you go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7, we have here a, 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 the foretelling of this gift of God in Isaiah chapter 7, 700 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have this prophecy, we have this promise of God. Isaiah 7 verse 14 reads, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Uh, this would be uh, something impossible, something that would be impossible, something that God would have to do. He said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name 
Emmanuel. Literally, God with us. And so 700 years before the birth of Christ, God foretold this miracle, the seed of the woman, a virgin birth. And as we spoke this morning in Sunday school, he would be the only begotten son of God. You go forward to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Uh, the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Unto us, uh, God so loved the world, unto us, a child is born. Uh, God would take upon himself human flesh. The Word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is is given. That would be God's Son, the only begotten of the Father, God's gift to a lost and dying world because God so loved the world that He gave. His name would be Wonderful. Isn't my Jesus wonderful? Counselor. There is no greater counselor than the Lord Jesus Christ. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, you see, Jesus Christ would be none other than God, Emmanuel, manifest in flesh, God with us. The Prince of Peace, he would be the one that would bring peace to this world, peace to the human heart. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Man at enmity with God because of sin, but God giving to the world a gift. That's God's gift foretold in prophecy. This morning in our adult Sunday school class, we, we looked at some of those prophecies, and I believe in prophecy, God pinpointed the only person in all of the history of the world that could possibly fulfill this. There could be no imposter. It pointed directly to Jesus Christ and to Him alone. God's gift foretold in prophecy. Now turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. And we have God's gift revealed in the incarnation. We're just going to read some scripture this morning. I love reading these passages. In Matthew chapter 1, God's gift revealed in the incarnation. Verse number 18 it reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. This is how it happened, the Bible says. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. This is God's miracle. Uh, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make an example, uh, was uh, minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Here is God's gift to the world in the incarnation. I want you to go, and what a gift. He shall save his people from their sins. Go with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 1. Luke, chapter number 1. And you will find here God's gift is conceived 
in Luke chapter 1, verse number 26. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 26. And it reads, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast, been found, hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there shall be no end. And we go into verse number 37. And God says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. That would be the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, turn forward to the gospel of Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Luke 2 verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And we talked this morning in Sunday school, what a miracle. This decree actually took place four years before the birth of Christ. Uh, the Jews appealed that decree for the taxation. It took four years for that appeal to work through. And in perfect timing, God, through this decree, brought Joseph and Mary to the city of Bethlehem to fulfill Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. And Joseph in verse 4 also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife being great with and so it was that while they were there the days were accomplished that she should be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him God's gift wrapped in swaddling clothes these were death clothes grave clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end we have God's gift revealed in the incarnation. Uh, but I want you to go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 10. In Mark chapter 10, we have God's gift lived through Christ in his service. In Mark chapter 10, verse number 42, as Jesus is heading toward Jerusalem, his disciples have come to an argument as to who would be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus spoke to them in verse number 42. He said, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones. Whoops, I'm in the wrong passage. Mark 10, 42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be a, uh, the chiefest shall be servant of all. But notice verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. God's gift. God so loved the world. He came. He lived a life of service. I want you to go forward to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Uh, our Christmas program last week was based 
upon this thought in Philippians chapter number 2, the mind of Christ, this mind of humility, this mind of service. A little gift that was lived in sacrificial service to the world. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, it reads, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, the, the real message of Christmas is this. Jesus is God, but he humbled himself. He came into this world, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He was selfless. He became the sacrifice for our sin. He came as a servant to the world, he came as God's gift to this world to serve mankind. God's gift revealed in his service. But if we study the Word of God, we find God's gift was sacrificed in death. It states, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It points us forward to the cross. When Mary brought forth this child and laid Him in a manger, wrapped Him in swaddling clothes, so you study the background of swaddling clothes, those were grave clothes. He was born to die. Uh, that gift of God pointed to the cross. And it's very clear as Jesus Christ. Go forward, if you would, to John chapter 3, where we started this morning. In John chapter 3, in verse number 14, the statement of Jesus, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so... Must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God is pointing us back to Numbers chapter 21. In Numbers chapter 21, Israel murmured against God. God sent fiery serpents amongst the people. And there were thousands that died. Whosoever was bitten by a serpent would die. Then God directed Moses to make a brass serpent. He was to lift that brass serpent upon a pole. And the directions were this, that whosoever bitten by a serpent would look to that brass pole, look and live. And God was giving us a picture as the Son of Man would be lifted up, as Moses lifted the serpent, the Son of Man would be lifted. He would go to the cross, he would give the sacrifice, he would be the price that whosoever would look upon him would live, would be forgiven, would have eternal life as God directed in that beautiful picture in Numbers chapter 21. You see, God's gift was the sacrifice of his Son. In the Old Testament, innocent lambs were sacrificed. A blood sacrifice, atonement must be made for sin. Without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sins. All of those sacrifices pointed to the blood that Jesus Christ would shed upon the cross of Calvary. He would be the Lamb of God, the foundation of the world. 
He would be the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. And as John the Baptist would point to the Lord Jesus Christ, behold the lamb of God. He is the one that the world awaits. He is the promised one. He is the gift of God to this world. And in Romans 5 verse 8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare. But Jesus died for us that while we were yet sinners, he would pay our debt that the wrath of God might pass from us, God's gift. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, he was obedient unto death even the death of the cross. That was God's gift sacrificed in death. But this morning it's clear, God's gift must be received in salvation. God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, a gift must be received. A gift can be rejected. I've known people to reject a gift. A gift must be received. How can that gift be received? Well, the Bible's very clear. Uh, apart from Jesus Christ, I'm lost. I'm a sinful being. I have faltered and failed and sinned against a holy God. Apart from Jesus Christ, I deserve hell. Apart from Jesus Christ, I'm condemned already because I had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. How do I receive that gift? I turn in repentance and in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. I like to put it this way, in repentance, I'm going the wrong way. I'm without the Lord Jesus Christ to repent, is to have an about face, turn from myself and from my religion and from my own self-efforts and to realize by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. I turn from myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in faith, I receive that gift that only God could give to me, uh, coming from my heart to receive, to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that took place, uh, the thief on the cross. There were two thieves, remember, in the beginning as Jesus hung between these thieves. Uh, they're reviling the name of Jesus. They're mocking the Lord Jesus Christ. It's evident that one of these thieves saw something different in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of these thieves turned to the Lord. He says, Lord, remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. And it's very clear that thief did not come down from the cross and get baptized come down from the cross to start attending church or to begin to live a good life. In a moment of time, uh, that gift was received. In a moment of time, Jesus says, I say unto thee, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Uh, that gift was received, unwrapped, we might say, by that thief on the cross. And then I think about the publican in the temple. There was a Pharisee that looked upon that publican. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not as this man church I tithe I do all of these things he prayed thus with himself he's not praying to God he prayed thus in his own self-righteousness to himself but here's a publican that would not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven and he simply cried out God be merciful to me a sinner uh, that gift received the Bible says this man went justified rather than the good man we have a 
bad man saved, a good man lost. A good man went away lost that day in the eyes of the world. Of course, we know all are bad, all have sinned. But in the eyes of the world, the good man went away lost and the bad man that day was saved. And the fact is, we all are bad. We're all sinful beings. I think about Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul had persecuted the way. He was on the road to Damascus to imprison and take the life of other Christians. The Lord Jesus Christ met Saul on that road and uh, says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why do you kick against the pricks? Why are you going the wrong direction? And Saul cries out, Who art thou, Lord? Here he says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. It's evident that the life of changed that day as that gift was unwrapped in his life and he received that gift God's gift revealed in salvation but you know here's what happens friends God's gift is then manifest in changed lives salvation is a miracle Jesus referred to it as a new birth by the way Physical birth is a miracle. As God gives life, God is the author of life. And just as God is the author of physical life, God is the author of spiritual life. When I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart, Jesus is born in me. And it's a miracle. I want you to go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians for just a moment. 2 Corinthians, we'll go to chapter number 9. I'm going to look at several passages here quickly in 2 Corinthians. Paul is talking about giving, but in this, he is giving to us really the foundation of our giving. If you look in chapter 9, verse number 15, and this statement, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Oh, it's an unspeakable gift. I can't declare the glory when Christ was born in my heart. Christ born in me, the seed of God planted in my heart through the gift of salvation. When Christ is born in a heart, He begins to live His life through that heart. And the Bible declares back in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. That gift of God is then revealed in my heart. He changes my life. And God's gift to the world is to be revealed through the lives of His children. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and look with me in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. It says, For the love of God constraineth us, because we thus judge. Remember, God so loved the world, and that love of God or of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live to themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. He's been born in our hearts. And he says in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. In verse number 18, he says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, to us. 
the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be you reconciled to God for we have made him for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a gift that God has given to us. In John chapter 20 and verse number 21, Jesus made the statement, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. As the Father sent Jesus his gift, God said to you and I, Even so send I you. He sends us to reveal his gift to the world. I want you to go back with me to the Gospel of Luke. Chapter number 2. The world's greatest gift was presented the night of his birth to the angels. And I want to pick up here at verse number 8. Luke chapter 2. We read about the birth of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. She brought forth her firstborn wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. There was no room for them in the end. And it reads, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings, what shall be to all people. God so loved the world, all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And now suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. Heaven was opened that day before these shepherds. And it says, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Here was God's gift to the world. There that night introduced and given to these shepherds. They saw the glory of you in the heaven that day. Now what did they do? This is what we ought to do this morning. Verse 15. And it came to pass... As the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste. And I would just share with you this morning, if you know not Christ as your Savior, you ought to do as these shepherds did. and You ought to come with haste because that message has been proclaimed. They came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her hearts. And the shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You see, these shepherds, having now seen God's gift, went and proclaimed God's gift. God's greatest gift the world's greatest gift. It was a gift 
to a lost and dying world. This morning we've unwrapped that gift. We've seen God's gift foretold in prophecy, a miracle in itself. God's gift then revealed in the incarnation, something that only God could do, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And then God's gift lived His life in perfect, holy service, endless sacrifice that He would be, God's gift sacrificed to us and for us in death. But God's gift can be received in salvation. That Christ born in a manger can be born in your heart. And then God's gift proclaimed through changed lives. You see, if you're born again, the Lord left you behind. He left you here. And your job now is as the Father sent me, even so send I you. Do you realize this morning that Jesus was God's gift to a lost and dying world? But do you realize that if you're born again, you're God's gift to take that gift to a lost world? As the Father sent me, even so, send I you. God so loved the world that He gave the greatest gift that has ever been given. That whosoever, that's you this morning, that's myself, whosoever believeth in Him, the very simplicity of salvation, not talking about head knowledge, but repentance and faith, toward the Lord Jesus Christ, should not perish but have everlasting life. What a gift. If you have received Jesus Christ, you'll never have to die and go to hell. A gift of God, Paul the Apostle said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that. What a marvelous, wonderful gift. Every head bowed and every eye closed.